0: So anyway, uh, Parker and Chris, good to see you guys again. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I thought that I'd take a moment because Parker is uh, involved with this that I would uh, tell you a little bit about what, what's going on. And it all kind of hinges around what is the, the appropriate um, relationship should uh, the Buddha Dhamma have with Western culture? Because historically, Buddhism has been supported by gifts and dana, and sometimes that's been manipulated. But in the past, let us say, 50 years or so, that Buddhism has become increasingly business oriented or commercialized in Western Buddhism where uh, there's a lot of money in exchange for retreats and psychotherapy with the dominant name and um, uh, a lot of book sales. But that seems to be the Western way of doing it, that if you are anyone, you write a book, and if you're any good and the book is any good, you'll make money, and that's the only way, that's the only path that there is, is to write a book or whatever. Uh, Unfortunately, Buddhism has already got too many books written over too many centuries with too many different points of view. And that uh, uh, the best thing that a student can do is whittle down to the stuff that's worthwhile. Now, let us say, before 1995, way back in the dark ages, getting a hold of uh, uh, any translations at all, or any sutras at all, fell to the Polytech society and their business model was you have to buy the whole package. We're not going to sell one or two of these books. You've got to buy the whole suitcase full, which is, I think was uh, ranging from in the old, old days, 200 up to more than $1,200 today. Now, um, when the Internet came in, the number of Buddhist books and literature exploded onto the Internet. Now, it is exactly the other way around. But still, the people go to the same stuff, and that is the stuff that was published in order to make money back in the old days still now seems to be the business model as well as getting the retreat. So anyone who is interested in, let us say, devoting their life. To uh, helping people through the Dharma seem to have only two recourses. And that is one come to Asia, become a monk. And that's got its own issues and problems with culture and food and uh, chauvinism expectations, 10,000 other things and. The only other option is, is that this guy, whoever he is, with whatever credentials he could dream up, builds a retreat center. But instead of being a Dhamma teacher, now he's a construction engineer. And eventually he's a retreat center manager. And his original intention was just to be a teacher. And those seem to be the only two recourses to where that's not true in Asia. Right. That. That in Asia, uh, though the Watts are there, I would say on any given particular day, most of the people in the Watts are not monks. That There's a whole lot of reasons for lay people to be at the Watts, and yet, uh, even though there are about Oh, it's hard to judge, but uh, the last I have heard is that there's more than 200 Thai Watts, and I already knew about 100 or more Lao and so I would say that it's up there in the neighborhood of about 500 places that house monks, mostly from Asia, and yet the Westerners don't know much about this, and yet that's where the real Buddhism in the West can be found. Unfortunately, you still have some barriers, culture, food, and language. Except that now it's not transportation is so much of an issue. Not only that, but most of the people who do attend the Watt do speak some English, though the whole port, part about the Watt has to do with, let us say, cultural heritage from Lao, Thai, whatever the language that they speak. And so they turn the Wat into a cultural institution to where the local uh, Original Asian language is what's spoken mostly, and the monks are fine with that. And so their websites will be in Thai or Lao, et cetera, like that. So that language barrier still exists, but it's not nearly as big as you would think. And also there is others like myself and Robert and Marcus who know quite a lot. Both, by the way, all three of us live in Taiwan and have for years, so we've got a pretty good handle on Thai culture and therefore Asian culture in general. And so we can help ease the way for these guys to get into these Watts who are dedicating their lives. Instead of going and building a retreat center, let's get them ensconced into the Watts ordination optional. That's the thing that most Westerners don't understand. They think, oh, I go to the Watt and stay at the Watt means I've got to ordain and then I look silly in public and all kinds of things like this to where no, we can actually get them into the Watts. Now, this is only one aspect. In fact, uh, I just sent something on Skype uh, in our group, uh, Parker, about the various groups that we want to address. I, I listed it as five different groups. I think that that little piece of information should be popped into our uh, Google stuff so that someone can expand upon that because that's a good idea in the sense that uh, we have really, really elder teachers who are Donna oriented. We want to bring them into our organization to help them to Donna help is like
1: others. generosity. So like donation. generosity.
0: Right. The word donation is what we're talking about as opposed to price. Sorry about that. I didn't didn't define that. No, uh, I, I I assume you already knew that Donna meant uh, by, by donation or by uh, gift giving basically is sure. what it is. Um, <clears throat> even in the West, the word donation has been polluted into a price. Right. To where what we're really talking about is when we're all generous with each other, generous with our time, generous with our activities, then things happen. But in the West, the whole idea is, no, you've got to go make your money doing dirty work, but now you've got money, go be generous with that. And so generosity is often referred to in the West as a donation of money, rather than as a donation of the heart, a donation of time, et cetera, like that. Um, And so this there's various groups. One that I said was the elders. We also have a number of elder teachers who are out there making huge amounts of money. They're almost like the televangelists, except that they do charge prices. I know that one of the top dudes uh, at their organization that all the retreats are really pricey, like $2,000 for a 10 day retreat. But if you do it with the head guy, it's going to be like five. $5,000, $5,000, okay. And so it's also known as the upper middle way. <laughs> I don't think that there's a whole lot that we can do with those guys because they've already gotten into the habit. The problem is, is that they also hold teacher training schools for students charging them seven dollars to $8,000 to do um, – Uh, the schooling, and then they get a certificate saying, I am a Dhamma teacher. Well, what are they going to do with that certificate? That and a retreat central will make you a meditation teacher. You see, and then we're back into, no, a retreat center is going to make you a retreat center manager. The piece of paper is not what you need. What you need is an education, and the education is available through the monks and the various nobles who already are in the West. And so what we need to do is to guide the students who were willing to pay $7,000 to quit their jobs and to move into the wad, eat free, and start teaching the Dhamma free. That's going to be uh, not always the case, but it's certainly going to be a few, because most of them don't even know they have that option. They think the only option I have to devote my life to the Dhamma is by doing it this way. So by having that as a a floor of looking at it strictly from the position of the Dhamma teachers themselves with all of these classifications of elders who do teach uh, for free and elders who charge money. And then you have the established teachers who teach for free and the established teachers who teach for money. And then you have those new students who don't know what to do. And it looks like they're going to have to charge money. That's the group that we could really do the most with. But we also want to help organize uh, those established teachers so that they begin to know each other. You see, unlike uh, you would expect, there's an awful lot of competition within Western Buddhism. And yet the whole idea of the Sangha is, is that we're all friends. And so we need to get at, at some level, the teachers to become in in a group together like an organization, right now there's none that exists that is pan-Buddhism, that you'll have the Tibetans, they go into a little group, and the Theravadins will go off into their little group and fight with each other, and the, uh, uh, the Zen will go off into their little group and they'll kill each other. <laughs> and so um, we have... That kind of thing, because um, most of the Western teachers that have become established didn't stay in the Asian system long enough to even understand Sangha, because it's not a course that's taught. It's a way of life, of cooperating with each other and not um, arguing or fighting or fussing with each other, but accepting each other, helping each other grow. This is where Buddhism would do its best work, and that would be what Christianity should and could be doing, but they're often competing with each other also. They often um, compete with each other over doctrine, and that's also the issue that can happen within Buddhism, that people get divided by cultures. And because the cultures are different, they think that now they're fighting about doctrine because that's the culture that they were raised in that religions fight because of doctrine to where the difference between the Tibetan and the Thai Buddhism is such that the Dalai Lama and Bhikkhu Buddhadasa are good friends. Because at that level, it transcends culture into friendship. So this is what we're looking to promote in general. And that uh, in order to do that, we're looking at getting a website and getting a newsletter going. And with that website and newsletter and getting some attendance, also with Zoom business system so that people can start communicating with each other. Student teachers beginning to teach by having an audience on Zoom. But the audience that is on Zoom, there's not just beginners, but is also seasoned teachers themselves so that we can help other teachers in not making the same mistakes that beginning teachers make. Okay, so we're looking for not a certification, but an education system, not one that's based in business and and, uh, universities and uh, all of that kind of stuff, but based more on the Asian model. And so that's the intention and Parker has already been helping with some of that. And I wanted to let you know that this is what we've got in mind that it's all Donna based uh, or uh, generosity based and also information. So we're looking for a website that's going to be collecting data for people to to deposit through, like uh, a number of retreats that are going to be opening up. And so they can go for them. Now we have had actually uh, because of covid. Things have been quite dormant in the retreat business. Retreats have been off, and it's going to remain that way for a while. So this is a good time for us to do our deep planning uh, and organizations. Now, one of the things that's happened, uh, in fact, uh, uh, Parker has got a good friend. His name is Eric, and Eric was what we would call our um, proof of uh, uh, concept. Here we have a Western man and we, uh, uh, Robert and I, uh, with uh, the help of um, Achon uh, Tim and Achan Reep got him involved. And so he spent, what, eight, ten months, something like that in uh, the Asian temples in the Seattle area. And now he's on um, our Skype group. Um, uh, and that everybody has great appreciation for Eric that he got great value out of just ten months in uh, uh, living in the in the watch. And so um, there's a whole lot that we can talk about. One example of that is is that the Asian monks, especially the head monks and the elder monks in the u s and in the uh, the West, are very, very high quality monks because they were individually chosen by the lay people who knew what they were looking for. The Asians have been raised in Buddhism and they know what a good monk is. And so we can find a lot of good monks. I was really impressed with the quality of the monks uh, for the eight years or more that I spent in the U.S. uh, in, in the Bhikkhu Sangha. But in fact, that's what something is unique is because I know so much about was happening in the US, or at least over the course of of time, that I know the mentality and the welcomeness. And sure enough, uh, even during COVID, Eric was welcomed to come stay at the what?
1: And it's just not something that's widely known because these people are coming to the West without any knowledge of English and say, thrown into a city like New York. They're not going to go on the street and start talking to people. They'd prefer just sitting and with their community of lay people. Um, so if someone who's English-speaking is actually interested, they'd be happy to welcome them, but there isn't that uh, that pre-established uh, language
2: there. I think that's a good connection to make. It also makes it, um, one, so the Watts are more supported, you know, obviously locally. Uh, it's one thing the Mormons do extraordinarily well, and there's not much I would put on that list, but uh, in terms <laughs> of their business sense, you know, I had a friend whose dad was a pastor, and he went through he married a Mormon woman. And he was, you know, I would say he was naive, is a fair way to say it. But he, um, he just went through like their efficiency, how you have to go to the local one. And you know, just just how it supports the faith, right? Because they don't let you travel far away, like it always needs local support. So if, like you say, if, if the local Watt is invisible to the 99% of the residents of a city, then you know it's just missing out on a big opportunity um and like you say people are spending a lot of money to go to peru or to go to thailand or some crazy place for these retreats and <laughs> go they go to yard, yard.
0: barry go to i mean there's a lot of places that they would, spend i would i would think
2: <laughs> and i'm not sure if this is possible but i would try to do a program that's a weekend program a weekday program where people can go home at night because you know, it's not always single, young 20-something. Yes, it's exactly. Mom who's trying to find herself and might go to Canyon Ranch Spa, but instead she's going to go to a Buddhist retreat. And she then feels safer not staying there, you know, because right. she doesn't know. Weekends,
0: and then, Weekends right. would be the plan. Come in on Friday evening and finish off uh, early Monday morning so that people can go to work on Monday.
2: No, I mean, I would say that's for a certain type of person, but I would follow mm-hmm. them somewhere to kind of put their foot in the door without where they're there during that, the day. that would be
0: a weekly meditation class. Yeah. In case they have two hours still... on Tuesday yeah. night, something like that, that would be the way to get started in, in, in every place. In fact, that's well established already in the United States for those... So those
2: kind of classes are for sure. But I'm saying somebody who wants to sort of do what Kevin did, but maybe has a more complicated life. They have kids,
0: They have a husband, they have, you know, where
2: they can take off. Those people
0: need a lot of counseling. Right. Yeah. And the counseling that I have to give would be around children is that um, it would be better for you to spend your dhamma raising your children correctly until they're ready to let you go. You don't say goodbye to them when they say, Daddy, Daddy, don't go. That it has to be a family-oriented thing. That, in fact, within Buddhism, actually, a man cannot ordain without permission from his mother. And bet you sure that if he's got kids, mom's not going to say it's okay. I'll take care of your kids. You go off to the what? That's an unusual situation.
2: <laughs> it would. It just wouldn't. You know how Americans are. I just. Wouldn't. I do. I oh do I ever. <laughs> You have to offer something that somebody can actually do, you know, and you have to think, okay, who's this marketed to? How big is that audience? And then Mm -hmm. is it practical for them to do based on their life? You know, it's something they could covet doing,
0: but if they can't actually
2: do it, then it's not useful Ah, for for them. Sounds
0: like you have some marketing experience that we might be able to tap into when the time is right.
2: Not too much, but I did work in newspapers for a bit.
0: Well, Uh, The whole idea on that regard is is that I don't want anyone to work enough at it to think that they own it or to work enough at it to think that they're instrumental, that I would like to see this thing get started with a whole lot of people doing just a little bit of work, only an hour or so a week. If somebody's putting uh, two, three, four, five hours a day in this, then they begin to think that they've got a part of it, that. You know, once you put your hand in that pot, the pot belongs to that hand. <laughs> right. I've seen that happen way too much. In fact, in business, the idea is that if you have an, an employee who is indispensable, if you've got an employee who is absolutely indispensable, the first thing you want to do is look for his replacement. And the second thing you want to do is to fire him. <laughs> right.
2: Well, I think it's important. Um that you uh, just do a very small test run with a single watt or a couple of watts, because uh, you're going to find that the willingness of the, the the monks to kind of embrace the outside community is going to vary tremendously. Even if you like well, them
0: all, and some yes, will, that's true. So, but so guess so what? We've way. already done that. In fact, what we will do in time, as things begin to get rolling, you see, these these savior monks already know each other. this will be just another opportunity for them to connect with each other
2: no but if they're going to lead a retreat you know no
0: no no no, wait a minute that's way too late no the first thing that we knew is to get the guy in the door we need to get these uh, guys who want to uh, really learn the Dhamma to start spending some time at the watt make friends and then eventually maybe uh, spending a night or two like that and, and really get into it. But w- whether or not he begins he actually moves in or not, it's only because he has already a relationship with the monks that they would give him then permission to start bringing other people in for a class or something that he would help with. That's the way. So you're you're actually pointing out problems I already know about. And so the way to do this is very, very slowly with each one of them. But if we've got eight or ten guys who are slowly going through this process within six weeks to three months from now, we'll have ten new meditation retreat uh, weekly classes. But it does take a while to move through this Asians are um not the same as westerners and the dama is not the same as the western mentality right uh uh the uh the these guys that we're talking about that will be under our guidance will get tested by the agents and they'll come screaming, what do I do in this situation? We'll calm them down and get it all straightened out. I mean, this happened with Eric over and over and over again about how can Eric learn to fit in? And it was a marvelous opportunity to watch that process yet once again. That if these guys walk into the wad all on their own without a clue about how to manage it, they won't last long, they'll either quit Or get asked to quit. Yeah, but it's
2: again, like when we won't bring up the Mormon church much because I'm just not a church goer. You know, I went sporadically Mm -hmm. as a child uh, if uh, a family friend took us or something. But, um, you know, that's just the outreach, right? Like he said, like he had come, he was the son of a a pastor. And, uh, you know, he said they immediately identified who all the newbies were. And there was a plan in their minds. About, you know, it's, you know, there's, there's not a recruitment that goes on right away. You know, how do you make them feel welcome? How do you get them back a second time? You know, like Mm -hmm. they just, they just narrow in immediately. And then, you know, and then you have other places, you know, where I grew up, it was a Sunday, you know, or a Friday spaghetti and meatball dinner. That was Mm -hmm. a way for you to see the, the facility, maybe to get comfortable meeting some of the congregants. Maybe the pastor would speak for a minute or two about some upcoming events that would make, you know, that they knew newbies might be comfortable with.
0: Ah, and- guess what? You were talking about Sunday lunch. That's the time to invite Westerners who were only partially interested in it that don't know anything. The Sunday lunch. There's yeah, the time there was one in
2: Tucson, Don if I'm not wrong, did like vegan meals a couple nights a week. So they knew that was a good audience for them you know, a lot of people who'd be exploring it were, you know, maybe people who would enjoy vegan food if they're not full-time vegans, and so that was their way of kind of, like, getting people in the community, they were well-known for their vegan food, to come in, and it was, you know, there was no, it was totally transparent.
0: Who was that that was famous? Who was it famous for their vegan food? I'm not sure that I'm following.
2: No, I mean, they would, so they didn't do, like, a church
0: supper no, no. who like is the who's monster? they oh i have to look it up it's been so many years but um, no i mean in general were they i no. mean great people were they green monsters were they alligator who were these people
2: oh no were they i Christians? think it
0: was were they Buddhists? no
2: I, I think it was a a buddhist group
0: i don't know if okay. it was thai buddhist <laughs> or not
2: but it was it no, was in everybody Definitely I, not <laughs> i just remember in the groups that i was in people all knew about the fact that it was Buddhist and the fact that they had they vegan food and these weren't Buddhists or vegans. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was a good way of, you know, there was an awareness that they had built up,
0: mm-hmm. you know, vegan is more traditionally referred to with Hinduism, but Hinduism yeah. and Buddhism uh, have a huge amount of overlap. In fact, yeah. they have so much overlap that they use the Buddha. They <laughs> the overlap. Right.
2: right. Now it's, there's a lot, a lot in common and shared shared ideas. Absolutely.
0: So anyway, that's that's the way that we're heading, and that uh, uh, we're slowly getting our group together. Um, uh, we've gotten a website started. And we've got list of teachers and things like this, and so we're slowly going uh, in the direction. I very much appreciate that. Parker is spending some time uh, doing this. In fact, he's he's the kind of guy that kind of knows what everybody else is doing, which would be sure. the way that that uh, we could best use Parker's uh, influences. He's got enough computer skills so that he can uh, figure out what the other people are doing right, uh, and, the, and that kind of thing. So I uh, wanted to make sure that you understood. Uh, what we were doing so that okay. we get get your uh, at least approval if right. not assistance <laughs> exactly
2: so that's good i appreciate you uh talking through a little bit
0: okay so anyway um there's another part of that and that is has to do with the quality of the sangha have you ever heard of the term the triple gem
2: Mm, i don't think so
0: okay the triple gem actually is very very much ceremonialized within uh buddhism that any time that you will go to um a meditation retreat generally in the west or often uh at any any opportunity for a ceremony let us say that a part of the ceremony Will be the taking of the triple gem and the repetition of the precepts, all done in Pali. Buddham Saranam Gachami, Dhammam Saranam Gachami, Sangam Saranam Gachami. Perhaps you've heard that chant before. So is it like a service that's provided? Is that what you're saying? Like, well, uh... I wouldn't call it a service, I would call it a ritual. No, but I mean, like, um, in Israel, uh,
2: you know, only ultra-Orthodox can perform certain ceremonies. Uh, and that's a way to support the community, because, you know, generally, they're just always studying, and they're just, they're clergy. Uh, and so, um, there's certain things in law that only the ultra-Orthodox, essentially the ones studying Judaism at a, at, at, Actually, you know, that level.
0: Actually, as so. a side point, that's correct. That, in fact, it is so correct that it is almost a no-no for, West, let us say, any layperson to teach the Dhamma without having expressed permission from the monks to do so. That, in fact, even the monks. But anyway, back to the point about the ceremonies, yes, that's one of the reasons why these ceremonies are often not done at Western retreats is because there's no monk. Or no ordained person there to give the precepts or to do the ceremonies that the ceremony should be done by people who know the ceremonies who have practiced the ceremony so someone who has walked up to the wat and looked through the window and then goes over and tries to start his own thing is that's not the appropriate way to do it no i'm just
2: thinking well and i agree with you i'm just thinking you know um i don't know if monks do wedding ceremonies or or no funerals or any of that I mean that's yeah. You, you know out here that's a big the way that
0: they support a-
2: themselves right because then maybe you know you join the congregation or you know you have your wedding at their facility or whatever so I'm just saying you know like there are often those are often not as much because they want to be at everyone's wedding they just know that's entry if you're not a member into possibly you know that that group tends to, you know, have a high percentage of people end up joining.
0: Okay. Uh, well, let's get let's get back to the point about this particular ceremony that I'm talking about. <laughs> and that's a think, ceremony.
2: Is that is this a ceremony that like people have somebody come perform and pay for? Is that is that what I hear you saying or no?
0: No, 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 no. Well, this is not something that people pay for. No, I didn't know if it was something that people
2: wanted, and then maybe they give a donation or you know what I'm talking about. Um well, in a lot donations
0: that no we're not talking actually about donations we're actually talking mm-hmm. about education right now that this sure. ceremony is an educational ceremony right and that's what i'm trying to do right here is to educate you about this ceremony and yeah. give you the education of it the buddha the dhamma and the sangha are three pali words that talk about the triple gem or that there are three aspects to the teachings. And the three aspects is that we have to have someone who can exhibit the teachings. In other words, we need an example. We need a finished product. You can't just give someone a drawing of a car and say, here, give me $100,000 and someday you can have the real car. That's what Western Buddhism is. That's what Christianity is, is they uh, they paint you a picture and then sell you the picture, giving you the hope that someday because you have the picture, you can have the item. But with this, no, we're talking about we have to actually understand what it is to be Buddha and so we can have the respect for what that is. So we need examples of Buddha. And this is something that the Western Buddhists don't have. They don't have examples like I had examples of Bhikkhu Dasa, Achan Po. And then the list starts growing really quickly. Once I get my foot in the door, I begin to find out all of these guys. But see, it's not ever advertised. It's almost like word of mouth. A has to tell B. In order for B to to appreciate who C actually is, because B is not smart enough to recognize the virtues that Mr. C has. Okay, so in that regard, we have to have an example. We have to have the car itself, not a drawing of the car, to, to sell it. That's the first thing. That's the Buddha. Then the Dhamma is the way for uh, or the the detailed drawings of how to build this car yourself or to have one or become this car. And then the third uh, aspect is you can't do this alone. You need assistance. You need some help. And you've got a whole lot of other people who are skilled at doing this part of the car or that part of the car can come help you do that so that all together you can help each other get your own thing, your own car. This is what we mean by the Sangha, the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. And so the Sangha is actually winds up being the most important part. And yet that's the part that's missing in Western Buddhism, and that is the friendship, the community. But everybody seems in in the West to be on their own with a book collection. Everybody is off on their own with a book collection or maybe some videos that they've seen and maybe a retreat or two. But what they don't have is that connection with, with a teacher. They don't have that connection with a senior who exhibits that which they're looking for. And this is the reason for getting these guys into it because we want to get them introduced into the sangha and start living with these nobles so that that nobility begins to rub off the friendship begins to rub off the uh the generosity rubs off uh, there's many examples of that but the times the Western thinks that the only way that they're going to get anywhere with their um, let us say, Dhamma is by sitting and practicing meditation to where really the Dhamma is uh, learned and experienced when we're in when we're dealing with people, whether we're dealing with people who are really, really uh, much nobler and wiser than we are Or whether we're dealing with people at about the same level, or whether we're dealing with people who are clearly not up to the standards that we've set and live for ourselves. Okay, ordinary people. Ordinary people do ordinary things and they come and give you their ordinary trouble. The question is, are you wise enough to not accept their trouble? Because you've already got friends enough with people who don't give you their trouble. They help you work out yours. And so this is the way of talking about the Sangha. This is what we're actually beginning to do on um, uh, Skype. And Parker can tell you the advantage of being able to meet people who are in the Dhamma together. I've had many students come and say, oh, I really want to learn to meditate, but I also don't know anyone who knows anything about it. And here these guys are. All they'd have to do is to go on Google and start searching their town for Buddhist, and they could find it. But they don't. They go you know, on the Internet and we'll go whatever they can locate without yep, doing finding it. a teacher
1: who's charging hundreds of dollars for lessons or whatever it may be, or they buy another book
0: and read the book right. and don't much benefit out of the book. Yeah, if they even find the local what it's in a foreign language, and then they're not going to spend more than three or four seconds on it. Just long enough to recognize, I don't know what this is, and then they're off to finding someone who's willing to sell them a bill of goods for a price. And so uh, the Sangha, back to that point, that's where real friendship comes in, where we really learn to trust one another and really help each other grow. We need that among the teachers because right now each individual Dharma teacher around the country is kind of on his own. He doesn't have a support or a network or anything that, in fact, college professors have a better network than meditation teachers mainly because once they get into a lineage, they stay in that lineage rather than looking around to see what their lineage fit into in the first place. And so they get very, very isolated and insular. And so um, what we need then is a broad understanding of people who are broadly in, uh, let us say, out to help themselves and to do others good. I would say others rather than the world, because the world is way too much. I'm not out to leave there to fix the world. Besides, I also recognize that to me, the world is nothing but a mental concept that I have. And when you think of the word world, you've got a different concept that the world, the word world is nothing but a concept for us, but rather we do have experience with other people in our vicinity. And so my world is my vicinity, what I can see, touch, taste, smell, hear. That's what my world is. And my job then is to meet that world or that environment happily. So I I greet you happily. (laughs) Um, Welcome to my world. That's what I'm that's what I spread is to see that if I can spread joy to you, then you can spread joy to others. That's sure. what sangha is. It's spreading joy rather than making a deal. Right. Most really of the time. It's something
1: that's masked in Buddhism, but it's a really human, ordinary thing. Like we were talking about earlier that most people are fairly foolish in the way they deal with their lives. Sure. And it's just about finding a group of friends that's not as foolish. Right. And the Internet helps a lot with that. Right. And these watts can be a place where, you know, people who are meditating and introspecting and learning how their mind works are usually pretty thoughtful, intelligent people. And by connecting these people, um, that'll spread, right? Finding a place for these people to hang out together. They all need each other. Instead of being on their own and reading a book and trying to figure this out themselves, if they have a good friend, they can say, point them in the right direction on how to meditate or um, how to make good friends then it would be an easier process for that
0: person. Or how to answer your girlfriend when she's got you by the throat or something. <laughs> yeah, I think,
2: um, like I said, I would identify a watt that just has a certain excitement around outreach in the States that does it as well as anybody, because uh, they're naturally going to have an affinity for doing it to start with. And if you mm-hmm. can have proof of concept with them, And you know they'll go out and sell it because you can bring the greatest idea to some people who have no marketing skills or you know never done missionary work or something, and they just won't be able to sell it.
0: So I already have a list of them. In fact, I even know by by name some of the head monks.
2: Well, because then you can bring the idea to other Watts and say, "Here's what happened here. You know, there were 22 Mm -hmm. attendees, and it took them about three months to get them signed up, and whatever."
0: Um, Well, there's also a bit of a community of Western monks who have gone to the Asian Watts and ordained. That actually happened in uh, Watt Greensboro with with Daryl. Daryl actually, uh, I have to admit, uh, is deceased now with prostate cancer, but he was a monk for more than 10 years staying at Watt Greensboro. And I invited him in there. And he he stayed and, and he helped, but he was not the only one. I met also a Western monk in, um, it was in Orlando in Florida and there's others. So it's not impossible for men just to walk into the temple and within a few weeks or months, they're planning their ordination. Well, That's actually,
2: as you know, the churches out here have tons of Bible study, like a zon- sangha for them, uh, and they'll have men's group and women's groups and kids groups and marital groups and you know it's just you know it's it's different forms of uh, I, get, I people get together right to, to discuss Church, talks, <laughs> yeah yeah you know what I'm talking about but any of that stuff is easy to implement at a watt you know I just fear sending somebody on a retreat it already exists in have no time. With people doing retreats.
0: All of that already exists in the local language, in the Thai language, that they really do, the parents do want to take their uh, teenage kids to the what to make sure that the teenage kids do learn and remember the language. Do they have
1: anything?
2: You know, so Parker went to Hebrew school because Wendy's Jewish. um, And we felt it's a much, as much a cultural thing as a religious thing. So, you know, he should know that side of his his life. Um, And um,
1: they have exactly
0: that. Do they do that sense of teaching the kids language school? Yes, that's what I was just trying to tell you. They do that, but they do it in the local language because they don't have enough Westerners coming into the Wad in general to do that with. If they did, they would. And that's just marketing. So,
2: you know, make it less. You know, probably the local Thais wanted to be as authentic as possible. So their brochure should be in Thai. And it's like a connection to the home country. And then obviously right. Westerners who are coming at it from a totally different direction. You know, it's in English. It feels very friendly. It shouldn't feel like it's not foreign. Because I don't think mm-hmm. you have to hide your cultural heritage. Uh, it should feel a little exotic for Westerners. It shouldn't feel, it doesn't have to be you know like walking into a lululemon store or something you know I know
0: exactly so that's what our organization is going to do it's going to provide all of that kind of stuff for uh westerners to help them to find a watch to help them to move in help them to get adjusted to help them to start doing what they want to do. But there's a whole lot of other people who will be in in sense, wanting to support people who want to do that. Yeah, but as you mentioned, the guy who who was already married and already got kids, that's a that's a a problematic situation. But after his kids are older.
2: Because he could be part of like a study program or something
0: that's once a week
2: about something that interests no, him. No,
0: I'm talking about he, we don't want him to move into the Watt, leaving his no. kids home. No, that's what I'm saying. He,
2: he might be part of some study programs at the Watt that are right. one night. A week so for, he
0: would still be uh, a layman. He would not be then um, moving into the Watt. But a lot of the ties, in fact, don't live at the Watt, but they are instrumental in keeping the Watt operational. Right, but and I mean, then in fact, the, the real money people already live someplace else. The ones who have money already have their own property and whatnot, but their nephews will be living at the watch.
2: But don't confuse money with people's willingness to spend on religion. You know, some people spend a really large percentage of their income on 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 these spiritual stuff.
0: That's, so that's exactly they be the, super generous, like, okay, even though they don't me, have a income. Right. Let me get into that. That in but all fact, I'm
2: saying the, is. With 95% of the population of Thailand being Buddhist, the amount of money that the local watts could get for ceremonies and other things that, that support the local community could be tremendous. I mean, uh, where everyone who's considers himself Thai at all uses the watt for those services, <laughs> uh, just like they do, you know, Parker went through a Chabad, and I'm a good friend of the rabbi who runs that Chabad. But, uh, you know, they're evangelical Jews And they go to areas where there's not much Judaism uh, in classes, you know, so it's like a Sunday school in a place where there's no Christianity or something. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And they'll perform services and they'll have the high holidays and stuff. So that's kind of what you're talking about. But just the Watts and a
1: lot less insular. The Watts have that pretty much, but it's in their local language and within Thai community. So there's not much outreach, not any outreach, because I've seen
2: I don't know if I've ever seen. A what outreach, and I've seen outreach from just about every type of religion, whether it's the Korean Christian churches or, I mean, you know,
0: the Greek, Buddhism the Greek temples. It, Buddhism does not do outreach. I don't do much outreach at all. I'm it, doesn't actually, have
2: to be, it doesn't have to be outreach. It's really just community. Well, it building.
0: doesn't matter what it is. We don't do it. Well, and and again, that's gonna limit
2: marketing opportunities. (laughs) Well,
0: yeah, that well, that's the whole point is is that Buddhism has already been overly marketed, and because of that, it's become business to the Westerners. Sure. Right. We're trying to reverse that by going after and connecting the people who are looking for stuff on how to find it because it's not being advertised.
2: Well, you're trying all to, they're able you're to find to is
0: what is what they can find is advertised, and we're having, we're trying to find a way of steering them over to the right stuff rather than what's advertised.
1: I think there's the outreach right. of right. the Mormonism that you're talking about, where they like guilt people into doing it, and they have to do it because they're part of the family. And then there's the outreach of simply having a website in English or having a class. And well, no,
2: the interesting thing with the 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 Labavoviches that you were associated with is Judaism isn't isn't typically evangelical. So they've kind of somehow found, but I agree with you. If, 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 if it's part of the Thai Buddhist culture, not to do any marketing, then you make that part of your spiel. So people understand that this is what you're coming into. It's distinctly mm-hmm. different from say a Mormon church or, you know, because they're going to come after you, they're going to follow up with you. They're going to try to get you to the second service, the third service and get you to diff. And that's just, it's a business.
0: For us, yes, we want to connect Even, you, when you want to exactly. connect, okay. exactly. Okay. Um, but let me finish this talk. Are, aren't you also okay. trying
2: to raise money so the watch support themselves better? It sounded no. like me.
0: no. I, I am know. not interested in helping the watch support themselves at all. They're already well, well taken care of. Thank you very okay. much. Okay. okay. So they're, they're generally places that.
2: Um, are fine, you know, healthy financially. You don't see a lot of Watts clothing or anything.
0: No, no. and uh, But the monks do move around. That, in fact, uh, it's quite possible that that will happen in America soon, just like it's happened in Asia. There are thousands of Watts in Thailand that are designated as Watts. Their deeds are Watts held by the Bureau of Religious Affairs, but there are no monks living in those Watts. Okay. I know a one, I know of a one watt that is actually behind the fence and inside the compound close to the runway of the airport on Koh Samui. Watt Pangboa, we used to go there. Now that the airport you can't get any place close to that watt. It's just, I mean, there it is as part of the watt, but you don't want to have aircraft flying over your head at 40 meters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't want you there, so. But it's still uh, a what? The the airport people didn't buy that property; they just enclosed it. That kind of thing happens. But anyway, I'm off the topic. the The point that we need to look at is uh, the idea that uh, of of community of sangha. And that we've already talked about the fact that the Asians don't do any advertising at all, and they don't have a big presence on the internet. What we need to have is some place where people can come, where they can find out about the watch and find out about uh, other people, uh, and and start having. All of the places that that do have all of these meditation retreats, if they do have them, find a central place where someone can go and look up all the retreats that are happening all over the country, paid or otherwise. We don't care whether they're paid or not, but what we would like it is for the people who are uh, paying to start to think about changing their mentality out of a pay Uh, per view or pay per uh, breath into a more Donna-oriented situation. And in fact, that's something that you mentioned um, already, and that is, is that the amount of money that people will give in generosity is actually greater than the amount of payment that you can have if you sell them a product. If you sell them a product, let's say at the end of a week and the product and the retreat is finished, you don't have anything in your heart to continue to support that. Why? But if they gave it to you free, then you have an affinity with them. In other words, business destroys friendship intentionally because business is designed to take your money. The more they take, the better off they are. Never mind friendship. Well, we're turning all of that upside down uh, for the Western mentality to, uh And that the generosity then will flow. That I'm sure that we'll be able to support a number of teachers uh, living in the watch because their expenses will be low. But we'll have a number of people who are wanting to donate to them there is already organization who don't who supports students by giving them money to pay for paid retreats so there's already that kind of mentality going what we need to do is to, uh, to change that mentality from paying the te- the student to pay the teacher is to pay the teachers directly, so that the students will then have a better opportunity from those teachers. That if just they, like if you're good all...
1: friend with Rabbi Shimmy, right? You're a good friend with the Rabbi, and he'll just talk to you as a friendship way. But the dynamic with meditation teachers is often, yeah, I'll talk to you as a friend, but you have to give me a hundred bucks first to talk for an hour. Hmm. But these wise people, they ideally they can just. Give their teachings freely, or give what they want to talk about freely, and just be good friends. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's what we're looking for: is just friendship, not paid friendship. And yet, people will be generous; they will donate. You already know that. That Judaism is supported by donations. Sir. Sure. Okay, Mormonism, regardless of the situation it is in, is still donate is uh, supported by donations that you don't see mormon books on the bestseller list
2: well they've got a whole i mean they own pepsi and marriott they're they're a business driven religion for sure they are
0: a business, yeah that's they're, that they're, is true
2: they're super evangelical i mean they make everybody serve a mission for two years i mean they're they're it's a business
0: precisely but they would have never been able to bought a company and stay and gotten in business if they weren't in business in the first place and part of the business is, is, that they got a lot of money because they didn't charge money for it, right? That that's the whole point that when you, when you sell something after the transaction is over, then you need repeat business rather than, and that's what the psychology model is on, that the therapist winds up needing the client. If the if a psychotherapist gave all of their uh, time, their psychotherapy, out for free, then they would be more willing to heal their client. But since they're making money off of them, let's keep them sick mentally so that they keep paying. That's what doctors in the West have been doing for years. is called the pharmaceutical industry. They don't make pills to cure. They make pills to keep you buying pills. <laughs> right and like we were
1: talking about it's not that they intentionally do that it's just that that, that that's, that's there bit, in the first place that that's just, just like Rob, well, i mean month. it's it's there in the first place where you guys can just be friends um where with other meditation teachers there's a barrier behind it
0: so i'm really glad that you understand this whole whole thing that we're looking at something very big but we're going to have to get started at it very small with a whole lot of people doing a little bit and i'm sure that over time that it'll grow
2: it's about always the best way because you will make a lot of mistakes starting out that you're not even aware you'll make um, oh
0: we're already that, aware of a lot of mistakes we've already on made a large
2: scale. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs>
0: Anyway, Chris, I um, I really appreciate you uh, listening to this. We didn't talk a whole lot of Dhamma. Uh, next time when you come on, we can talk more uh, actual practice and how to do it. Uh, I was wanting to do that in this call, but we actually stayed all together on our topic of uh, Sangha.
2: Well, it was good seeing you, and uh, thanks for sharing
0: I really do appreciate you coming on with Parker. This is really great. I like it that we've got family. Right.
2: Parker might just be an orphan. This is what be. I mean, you know, he's awfully experienced. Editor. This might just be a virtual father. So, you know, be, be suspicious of any Zoom calls. I don't know. It's <laughs> probably just all AI. Does my voice sound like any famous Hollywood actor? I'm just joking.
0: Uh, I, I don't know any Hollywood actors, sorry. I don't,
2: I don't know many either, so. <laughs>
0: you know, we've been watching TV
2: <laughs> shows, too. So.
1: Oh, I yeah. Say, I'm going to you place
0: go. You feel lucky. <laughs> you feel <be a> lucky, <laughs> punk? <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see you guys later. Thanks a lot. This has been a really great time. All right. Have a great
2: day. That's okay. Great seeing you. Take, Take care. Yeah, we'll see ya. All right.